Opinions expressed on ACB Media are those of the content creators and should not be assumed to reflect product endorsements or the views of the American Council of the Blind, its elected officials, or its staff. Good evening, everybody. Um, today we're going to talk about a seemingly pretty timely issue of rideshare and airport denials. We'll get into the medical one another day because that's another issue. But I know a lot of us have been traveling or we're trying to travel and we're going to need to travel. And so we're going to talk about some ways of keeping our cool and and dealing with the rideshare issues um, and the airport issues. We we live in a in a society where emotion is not accepted. And in fact, if you start to show emotion, you know, anxiety or anger, especially anger, um, people will back away and they're not going to be willing to help you. And for probably good reason, given given all the latest violence, you know, people just shooting somebody because they don't get their way or attacking somebody because they don't get their way or whatever. And people don't want to be in that situation. So um, the better you can maintain control over your emotions and your thought processes, the, the, the better you're going to be able to resolve the situation and the faster. Um, and in some states, you know, you can you can even get arrested for yelling and acting out and making verbal threats and that type of thing. So, or you could get committed because of it. So you, you want to be really careful. Um, a stressful, upsetting, annoying, disgusting, aggravating, hurtful situation when. You need to go somewhere. You just want to go somewhere. And suddenly, you know, because you're blind or because you have a service dog or because you can't fill out the forms the way they want or because you can't access an app, <laughs> you know, you, you can't go or, you know, you miss your appointments or, um, you know, you, your, your whole plans change. And it that cannot be denied it can't be disputed and you know so a lot of us have been there and we we know the frustration i will never forget the time i was supposed to go play my flute at my sister's wedding in kansas and i was going to get a cab to the train and take the train to dc and catch the plane and she was going to pick me up in Kansas, which is a whole day. I mean, a long whole day. Well, the cab was late and got there just as the train was pulling out. And there was nothing to do. I mean, it, you know, back then that, that was it. I mean, I, and her wedding was the next day, so it wasn't like I could have gone out the next day. I mean, it, that was just it. And it was extremely frustrating. But more frustrating was when the cab laughed and said, oh, well, you didn't need to go there. And 
and maybe it was God's plan that you didn't get there. And I'm like, <sighs> so yeah, but it, it, so we'll talk about some of these things. Um, first of all, with the airline, all of this hullabaloo came about because people were taking animals and they were calling them emotional support animals. And yeah, most of them were not trained. Most of them were in no way, shape, or form prepared to navigate an airport, um, get on a plane. And they were they were terrified. You know, the animals were terrified. My sister flies a lot, and she said it was just heartbreaking to see the literal abject fear on the animals' faces, the dogs and cats and, you know, that people were dragging on planes. So all of this hullabaloo that we now have to fill out forms and get back records and justify, justify, justify came about because of that kind of people who would take an untrained, unprepared, uncreated animal into that environment with with nothing. So, yeah, we have them to thank. But be it what it is, now we have to fill out forms. We have to, you know, prove our case. We have to justify. We have to have documentation. And it's, it's unfair. It's not right. It's frustrating. But, yeah, I, I don't know what the answer is. I guess the airports are still trying to work it out, you know, and, and all we can do is advocate for the least restrictive, the least requirements. They're still going to need their documentation, but you know, if we can make the process a little easier, we can continue to advocate for that. So when you are going on a trip, you know you're going to fly somewhere. Hopefully, you have time <laughs> to figure out what all you need, um, what forms you need, what you have to do to get your what you have to do to get your service dog, you know, qualified. Um, any any vet that you have to go to. Hopefully, you have time to to do all of that. And it's really a good idea that even if you think you're going somewhere, you know, start the process. I have a folder and it has the dog's latest vaccine, their, their rabies, everything's in one folder. And I just keep it with me. That way, if I have an emergency if I have to go somewhere, you know, I have all of that. I don't have to go make a special trip to the vet and get the vet to f fill out letters and hope that they'll fill out the letters. I make sure every annual vet visit that I go to, I have all of that updated information every year. So if you have it beforehand, then you're good. And then you, you're ready, at least with that part then you can figure out how to fill out the forms that um, the airlines need. Some of them are accessible, some of them are not, but accessibility, if you, if you don't have access to, you know, 
computers and different things that may not mean a whole lot, but you know, probably if you don't have that, you've gotten somebody to help secure your ticket and hopefully that person can get your forms filled out. But the better prepared you are, the more successful you're going to be with it. Um, Next, get to the airport early. I know, you know, we spend a huge amount of time just sitting and waiting because we have to get everywhere early and but you're going to be a whole lot less stressed if you have time and if you allow yourself time to, you know, get all this situated so that you can get from point A to point B um, without being rushed. Because we all know that when you're rushed, then you tend to forget things and you tend to be more short-tempered and more frustrated. So, you know, try to be there early. And try to comply with what they request, as long as it's not yeah, invasive or abusive. Because here's the thing. If you comply with what they request, even if you know that it's wrong, then you can do something after the fact. If you don't comply with what they request, you're just going to be detained until either somebody with some sense comes along or you do comply. So just just do what they ask. And don't take it personally. And then if it if it feels like, you know, it was a violation, you can always file the complaint later. And a lot of people think, well, you can't file a complaint if you complied. Yes, you can. Um, if you're if your rights are being violated, I traveled one time from Kansas back to Martinsburg, and I had my guide dog, and she literally just it was awful. It was embarrassing. She probed and searched Angel. You would have thought that I hid a bomb up inside of Angel, and I mean she made Angel open her mouth. Luckily. Angel was a pretty compliant dog, and my sister was with me, and she saw the thing, and we filed a complaint about that. So, you know, but if we, to compound the issue, my brother-in-law was also with us, and he was trying to fly with a vape. <laughs> they were, he was fighting over the battery. So, you know, I just petted Angel and told her what a good girl she was, and we got through but then I filed a complaint and we did win that complaint because it was just you know, totally invasive of Angel. So, you know, it might feel like, oh, this is not right. I shouldn't have to. But remember, you're not dealing with people who have all the education in the world. And there's a lot of people behind you. There's a lot of people in front of you. So just document somehow what happened and and file your complaint as soon as you can. But be as compliant as you can so you can get where you want to go. And I know that that sounds not okay to some people. And I get that. It used to didn't sound okay to me either. 
But it's better than that than being detained or even worse, arrested. So, you know, be prepared. Try to be as compliant and friendly as you can. Um, definitely know your rights and know what to do when, you know, your rights are violated. And um, if you don't, you can ask. If it's a guide dog issue, you can certainly go to GDY and they know. Um, or you can ask one of the ACD attorneys or, you know, advocates. So the better informed we are, the better prepared we are, the the easier it is to cope with situations. Um, sometimes, not always, but sometimes there may be a reason that you're being put through extra crap that you're not aware of. Like if they've had a recent threat or terrorist attack or terrorist threat or bomb threat or something, you may not know about that. And they may all of a sudden just put these gates of precaution up that you have to deal with. Um, if you really, really, really don't like it, avoid some of the hotspot areas like national, international, in DC because they have really high security for obvious reasons. Um, so, you know, maybe you want to fly some of the smaller airlines and airports if you can. Now, obviously, you can't always do that. But if you can, you might want to. And then the other thing is just, you know, we have to keep in mind that the airlines are going through a lot and everybody who flies is frustrated and not very happy about something. And so the the stress is very high all through the airport. So, you know, the, the friendlier you can be, um, the better. So then we'll talk about this whole issue with Lyft and Uber. And it was real funny, interesting, not funny. But the day that I asked for topics. It was suggested that we do Uber and Lyft. Well, that very afternoon, I received what I thought was a Lyft denial. And I thought, well, how timely is that? Well, it actually wasn't a denial. What he did was hit the wrong button and somebody else took the call. But I thought, that when they read my note about the service dog, that he canceled. And I found out what happened later, actually last week, because the same guy picked me up and he was just as nice and apologetic as possible. So, you know, Lyft and Uber definitely know that they're supposed to pick up service dog users. Their drivers should know that. Unfortunately, we live in an I'll-do-what-I-want society, and you can't really tell me what to do. And some people have that attitude. A lot of these Lyft and Uber drivers are people who don't, like working for other people. 
They don't want to be told what to do. They don't want to have structure. And that's why they drive Lyft and Uber. So I know from talking to quite a few clients who drive for these things and use delivery services um, or work for delivery services like Shipt and, and Instacart and, you know, a lot of the others. And I know from reading some of the online chatter about that, one of the things that they do is when they get a call, they quickly look at whether you have tipped or not. And they can see that online. And they may choose to accept or not accept your request based on that. They also look at your rating because while we can rate them, they can rate you, especially with Lyft or Uber. So if you have a rating for whatever, they might look at that and say no. Another thing that they do is decide where you are and where you're going. I know clients and who won't pick people up at bars because you know, they don't want to deal with people who have been drinking or whatever. Uh, they won't take people to really bad locations in the city. Or if they know that they have to drive through really bad locations, they may choose not to do that. And that's not anything to do with being blind or a service dog. That's just the way they do things. And I don't know that they're supposed to do it, but they do it. Um, I know some clients who won't pick people up at, you know, Walmart or or daycares because they don't want to deal with a bunch of children. So um, it's not just people who are blind who are um, discriminated against or denied services or rescheduled. The problem comes in that you don't necessarily know why you weren't picked up given all those factors. It could be because you're at a bar. It could be because they're pretty sure you have a dog if you're at a vet's office. It could be because, you know, they don't want to go to your location or through a bad location to get to your location. It could be because of a lot of things. It could be because they hit the wrong button and somebody else gets the call or they dropped it all together. So you don't necessarily know what happened. You can think what happened, but you don't know what happened. Now, it's quite another story if they drive up and they see you with a service dog and they say, is that a service dog? And you say yes, and they drive off. Then you pretty well know that yeah, they didn't pick you up because of your service dog. Or if they drive up and they see you with a white king and, you know, they they drive right off, you pretty well know that they didn't pick you up because you were blind. But otherwise, it's really hard to know why you were denied. So that might help a little bit, you know, because you don't know and because it could have been a lot of things. So be sure that you know before you get upset. Because it may be nothing against you. It may just be their preference or 
you know, their clumsiness or whatever. Um, <clears throat> it could be it could be a lot of different things why we're rescheduled or denied. The next thing to do is have a backup plan. Like <clears throat> I have Lyft and Uber and another ride share. He's a personal uh, individual owner and he's not real reliable. But as a last resort, he may be helpful. Um, so have a backup plan if you can. Now, not everybody can because you may only have Uber in your area or you may only have Lyft or whatever. But if you can, have a backup plan so that, especially if you live in some of these smaller areas, you might go uh, to reserve your, your ride and find out there are no cars on the road. That happens here. Not as much as it used to, but it used to happen all the time. And in fact, I was always a little hesitant to go somewhere because I'm thinking, okay, so you get there, but then how are you going to get back if there's no car? Well, now that I have three possibilities, 619, has joined it's not quite as anxiety-provoking as it is because I'll just use the, the, the next one. Be sure that you document somehow what happened uh, if you are denied. Um, and if you can, try to keep note of the driver's name and or license number or car description or something. Because when you file a complaint, you're going to probably need that information for them to do anything. And I'm not sure really how much they do anyway, but um, but you will need that information because you can't really file a complaint if you don't know who did what. And that's often a difficult thing for a totally blind person or somebody with low vision because we can't see who it was. And, you know, unless you're you're pretty quick and have a good memory, <laughs> you, you may not know who. But unfortunately, if you don't know who, then they're not going to be able to do too much about it. Um, some people choose to have on their profile that they do have a service dog or that they're blind. Some people don't choose that. Whatever works is what you probably should do for yourself without worrying about what other somebody else chooses to do. Um, I, on my Uber profile, have a picture of me sitting in a vehicle in the back with Cheddar on the floor and Dory on my lap because that's how they ride in vehicles. And what I'm hoping that somebody will have the sense to do is say, oh, well, this is how she rides. So, you know, the dogs aren't climbing all over my seat and she doesn't expect to put the dog in the front seat and yeah, whatever. So that's what I choose to do. Usually, not always, but usually on Lyft, I put a little note in there, you know, look for me. I, I am blind and have two service dogs or one service dog or the white king, depending on what I do. And the reason I do that is because usually nobody else is around to help me find Lyft and I'm partially deaf. So if they yell halfway across the parking lot, I probably am not going to hear them. And it just works better for me that way. But you figure out what you feel comfortable with and what works for you. And yes, 
if if they know, they can deny you. But if they get there and they really aren't going to take a service animal, they can deny you too. So, you know, don't personalize it if they say, is that a service dog? They don't know. And a lot of times what I found, what they want to do is cover their seat. They don't want to deny you. They just want to cover their seat. That's all. And so, or their floor, you know, with a sheet or something. Um, so that's okay. The other thing is do not ever hold on to the door handle of their vehicle. Open their vehicle, the door, but let loose of that door and move back if there's any opposition or whatever, because you could really seriously injure yourself or your guide dog that way. Um, now I make sure the coast is clear and that, you know, they said, okay, you know, whatever before I, I do, because some people are just not very nice and they're impulsive and, you know, they'll just blast out of there. If they're adamant that they are not going to take you or that service dog, then that's what they'll do. And you don't want to get yourself run over or get the car to run over your dog's feet or, you know, hit it face um because when they take out they're going to take off with with a fair amount of speed and you could get hurt so do not hang on to the door i just read a facebook post not too long ago and that's what the person was doing and <laughs> don't do it because you could get really hurt that way or your dog um Recognize how you feel when this happens. And, you know, just right now, think about a time when you were denied services. When that happened, how did you feel? Well, you know, you might have felt angry. You might have felt scared. You might have felt hurt. Right? lot of emotions there. So have a plan for how are you going to deal with those emotions? How are you going to keep that from bubbling up to the surface and busting out, which is only going to make a bad situation worse because now you're probably going to scare other people and or the driver or have a really horrible expression on your face, you know. So have some way of, of dealing with that emotion. If you have to say, this is not about you, this is not about you, this is not about you, a thousand times, or if you have to take deep breaths, you know, um, get a stress ball and squeeze it. Um, anything that you can do to take that emotion back down from, well, if you're me, 10, <laughs> <laughs> down to a, a manageable level. Because again, the more calm you are, the better you're going to be able to think about your next step. Okay, I'll just request a new lift. Okay, I'll just request a new Uber. Okay, I'll explain calmly for the fifth time that this is a service dog and he's friendly and he sits on the floor and, you know, all the things that we have to, to do, but you'll be able to do that more calmly, more rationally, 
and hopefully get from point A to point B. And again, you know, try to remember who it was, try to remember what they said, and document everything as quickly as you can when you file a complaint, because that's going to increase the likelihood that your complaint will stick. If you call, you know, to get a new Lyft or an Uber, don't yell at the poor person on the other end because it's not their fault. They don't know anything about it. And all they're doing is taking calls. So, you know, don't start yelling at them. You can say to them, you know, I'm really frustrated. I'm standing out here in the middle of the street or the walk or whatever. And this happened. But if you start yelling or speaking in a loud voice, it's just going to cause everything to deteriorate really quickly. Um, get support, you know. And when you hear of other people who've had these experiences, try to be supportive of them. You know, don't don't try to judge them or question why they did what they did. Like the person who held on to the door handle. I don't know why they held on to the door handle, but probably because that's what they were doing and they just didn't let go. Um, but but just try to be supportive of each other because we all know how it feels if we've been there. And um, just, just try to be supportive and maybe share what seems to help you or what what works for you, especially in terms of calming the emotions. Because I guarantee you, the more calm you are, the better you're going to feel and the more quickly you're going to get your issue resolved. So what I would like to do is open for discussion and hear from people who, you know, what works for you? What do you do? What helps you? And don't make this a rant session about all the times that we've been denied and yada, yada, yada. We all know that. I want to know what you do, what works, what helps, how you handle the situation, because that may help other people as well. Hey, we have Christine. Christine's iPhone. Christine, you're muted. You may unmute. Hi, this is Christine. How are you? Hi, how are you? Good, thanks. So I use myself, I use Lyft because it's an easier platform for me to use. Mm-hmm. And I have a guide dog. Um, he's a black lab, medium sized. And what I do when I order my Lyft is I will go to the contact driver section mm-hmm. and write a message to the driver. I used to try to call them, but you know, people aren't really supposed to talk on the phone when they're on the road, whatever. So I leave them a message and I don't say I have a guide dog because pretty much I'm going to get denied. So what I say is I am blind. Please let me know when you're here by rolling down your window and calling my name. There you go. And um, that way, you know, I, you know, nothing against foreign people, but 
I have been in a lift where I was almost denied, but I got in the car and calmly explained that this was a guide dog. He was going to lay on the floor, not going to have any issues. The guy was scared, this, that, and the other thing. I said, no. I said, I'm going to get in this car. You're going to drive me home. I said, and I will tell you all about the guide dog and be very friendly and be very kind to you because you're going to drive me home. Mm -hmm. And when I got home, he said, you know what? That dog never moved. I'm like, see, I told you so. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, we have to realize these people... They're used to their pet dogs sitting up on the back seat of their car or breathing down their neck or yeah. running all over. That's what they see when they go down the road. That's what dogs who are not well controlled do. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so they're thinking, oh, my God, I'm going to have to, you know. So, yeah, we just have to tell them what we need. You know, and, and at times... I will, you know, ask the driver to, you know, move up their front seat a little bit so right. the dog and I have room. Mm-hmm. Um, or sometimes I might even, you know, let the dog get in on the driver's side and I go around to the other side. So at least the dog is facing the correct way going out. That doesn't always happen, but sometimes it does. And sometimes it actually works. So sometimes in these little vehicles, you have to do that. <laughs> Right, right. Yeah. yeah. Well, thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Lay down. Okay, we have Anthony. Has his hand up? Can you hear me? You're muted, Anthony. All right. Hi, everyone. So, um, I want to remind everyone to, you know, when you are, you are now unmuted, but we don't hear you. Do you hear me now? Yeah, yeah. I do. Oh, you are. That was weird. Okay. Yeah. Um, I want to remind everyone, when you're getting stressed out, your dog is getting stressed out. Um, one of the tips, especially in, well, in the airport, that works for me is I'll make Bodhi sit and arrange the uh, luggage next to me and have him sit kind of behind me and behind the luggage. And another trip, trick that I do is if it's a busy airport, which it usually is, I'll ask someone around me, hey, my Uber is about a minute away. It's a Toyota Camry, blah, blah. You, could you help me find it when it gets here so that, I, I, you know, I can get in? And and usually the person will, you know, want to open the door for me. And that avoids much of the, you know, them just driving by and, and, and not even stopping. And then five minutes later, you get a cancellation. Um, and you know, in an unsafe situation, once you get in the car, if they're, you know, ever not friendly, a good tip is just to say, hey, Siri, or or activate your Android phone, dial 911 on speaker. That will change the tone of, of uncomfortable situations pretty quickly. Wow, good point. Yeah. Okay, we have Karen M., Hi, Jesse. Um, when did you come back doing these calls? I just found out about it recently. Okay. Well, you're have welcome. You been for a while and I never. Uh, okay. How often do you do it? It's every other week. Well, no, I'm sorry. It's, it's every first and third 
Monday. Okay. Yes. Um, one thing um, I do to um, try to help myself is I belong to advocacy groups that help persons with disabilities. Um, I live in New York, so we have maybe slightly different issues. Um, a big issue for me is that um, our drivers in New York City do not need to speak any English at all. Ooh. So when I so when I've inquired about call out and assist, and some of them can't do it, and it's 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 just really highly frustrating. But I know it's something I need to deal with, and then the advocacy groups are are we're working, we're working to get accessibility in the subways, we're, we're working and they're ma and making um, some progress. So I believe by advocating for ourselves, that helps relieve some of the frustration. Yes, it does. So. That uh, language barrier may be something to talk with. I know a couple of weeks ago, they did a presentation about Spanish-speaking cab drivers. Um, but that might be something to talk with Malta Culture about to see if yeah, there's something that you can do there. Well, Spanish would be okay. I did study some Spanish in school. But we don't get Spanish. We get Russian. We get Chinese. We get right. all all kinds yeah. of languages. And to me, and and so they, I think the attitude is from our lawmakers here, is that oh, it's discrimination. They don't need to speak English. Well, they need to do things for us because that, how do, how how can I communicate with him really? So it's um. I don't use, you know, I, I, it's, it's unfortunate, but anyway, I, I, that's what I do is advocate. And if I can report something, I will. And, um, and I let my representatives know about certain issues that they can vote on in a better way. Well, that's certainly a way to hopefully make some changes. Right. So, I'm glad I found you again. Thank you. Well, thank you. Um, you are clear of hands right now, Jesse. Right now, no hands. There are no more hands. No. Hands. Well, does anybody else have any thoughts or questions or? Yeah. Well, I think that you know, the more clear we can be to people. Um, because a lot of them have no clue what to do. They they don't know. Um, and worse, some of them have possibly been yelled at by another person with a disability for doing what they thought was right, and now they're kind of reluctant to do anything at all. I know we had that issue here where, you know, a lot of people just, they they were afraid to do anything because they had a few encounters with a few very mean people um, who yelled at them and criticized them. And then they were like, you know, I don't know what to do or what to say. 
and you know, yeah, I mean, so the nicer we can be and the more calm and the more concise we can be, the easier our lives are going to be with this stuff. We had a few hands go up just okay. now. We have yeah. Beth. Go ahead. Hello, yeah, this is Beth from New Mexico. So what happens if they do discriminate against you because you're blind and they um, they don't want to take you because a lot of people are afraid, I don't know why, that will fall or whatever. Well, if you know that they're discriminating against you because you're blind or because you have a service dog and you know that that's the reason, then, you know, you, you can file a complaint. You can, there are procedures that you can follow. You can't do anything at that moment to make that person, you just have to call another Lyft or another Uber or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Right. No, the other no, thing I don't have really, a service dog yet, but I want, I want to get one. Yeah. The other thing that's really important is try to call these places or connect with these places from a safe place. You, know, you don't want to be standing out on the street corner if you don't have to for 15 minutes in a thunderstorm or in a dangerous place. So if you can connect in a safer place, even if it means that you have to walk a half a block, it might be better. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I usually do try and do that. Call the Uber or Lyft or cab or whatever from from a safe place mm-hmm. inside of a restaurant or a doctor's office or somewhere like that. Absolutely, because then there's people around and, and yeah, they can see, they can maybe offer a little help or suggestion or whatever. Yeah, I'm not one to call from from outside like that because anymore you don't. I'm sorry, but you don't know who you might. It could be your Uber, you know. If it's just me, I mean, he could tell you, oh, I'm an Uber. Well, Not knowing that you called one, right? Another, then- another trick that people sometimes use is they'll, they'll message or put the note in and ask them to call them by a different name. So if you hear, you know, something that isn't really your name, you're going to have a better idea that that is your Uber or Lyft driver because you just told them to call you that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. That's a good idea. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Jesse, and thanks for doing these calls again. You're welcome. I'm glad you've restarted them. Thank you. We have Jenny with her hand up. You're muted, Jenny. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Oh, sorry. Just briefly, I'm looking at this from slightly different aspect. I'm hoping to get um, my first um, iPhone, but what's been happening is third parties are scheduling the rides for me, and they leave notes like, um, "Call out the name of the person. The person has a white cane," um, and then 
sometimes the drivers don't read the notes, okay? And then I'm in a situation, sometimes I'll ask someone, oh, I'm looking for, they'll usually call me to people that um, schedule the rides for me. The third parties will say, well, we'll look for a Toyota camera. Well, I can't see. Uh, and Alan is your driver, okay? So what I finally realized is it I'm, I may be the only person standing on my block, but the person is just because I wear glasses, they're not, they don't think to go up to me or, you know, in about 20% of the cases, you might have someone like two feet away from you with a car idling with a radio on mm -hmm. and not knowing you're the driver. So what I've decided to do is what's sometimes embarrassing about this and, and just unfortunate is um, I sometimes am forced to like, um, act out a little bit. What I do, I try to be dignified about this. I realized this only recently when the third party tells me the name of your driver is Alan. And I'll say, Alan, <laughs> you know, I'll call out the name Alan in a dignified fashion as possible because um, I've had drivers that were parked across the street, but still had no clue that I was their um, client. And um, um, so, so that's what I do. And, um, you know, you do what you have to do. And it, it can be, oftentimes, apparently, they don't read the notes. And there's, you know, that's just the way it is. And I have had drivers um, drive off. And so it's just, you try and see what works. So that's all I had to say. Well, you know, yeah. And I've, I've been known to do that. I use the driver's name because they really haven't spoken to me or I, I didn't hear um oh and i forgot my fantasy okay uh this is what would be helpful maybe somebody can manufacture this this thing to have a sign that's not too big that would you know be like a popsicle with you know with a, with a card on it large enough to read fairly well in, in my case i've had people right in front of me and didn't know that i was their their, their ride but you know just saying i'm lift you know that would save me from yelling, which is undignified, but sometimes I have done that. I so. think that is a technique that a lot of deafblind people use. Lori ah. can probably talk more about that. Okay. But yeah, I think that is a technique that a lot of deafblind people use. They'll, they'll hold up a little placard card, like a business index card, and it'll say whatever and even have a picture of whatever on it, like if you're waiting on a lift, you know. So yeah, you could certainly get some of those made up and, and just hold them. Well, you and, have to experiment because I had one lift driver that was parked across the street, windows up, radio on. <laughs> so you have to experiment with, index cards might be too small, but that is interesting mm -hmm. tell that people to do it. And then I have a safety consideration that probably nobody uh, okay, I have balance problems. My, so what I do is I um, hold on to the jam as I, the top uh, as I get into the car. And sometimes there's something that no one may have noticed. There's something that sticks out. I don't know what they call it. It might be a strike. But I hold on to that and back into the seat. Now, the mistake I've sometimes made is holding on to the, uh, in hot weather, holding on not to the top of the door jam, but the bottom of the window. Mm -hmm. And a couple of 
times, the driver thinking, oh, the air conditioner's on, he rolls up the window. And then at first, I didn't understand what the pain was, but my finger was being kind of, kind of not, it was a pretty strong finger, but it was kind of crushed between the rolled up window and the top of the window. <laughs> so let's, let's just remember not to do that. <laughs> You're going to hold on to the door, the top of the door jam, not the bottom of the window. <laughs> Absolutely. So Happened to me twice, but that was the last time, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it's very surprising because at first you think, what's going on? You can't see. The driver's not aware. And it can be, you know. So anyway, that's it. Uh, thank All you. Have- okay, we have Shanti with their hand up. Hi there. Um, uh, this is... Uh, this was actually I, this this week or last week. I, it was my first experience traveling after many many year, months. Actually, so I, I've been a little bit nervous about Uber and Lyft, and I've been afraid to even try them. But I found a service, and it's all over the country, but it's not everywhere yet. It's growing. It's called GoGo Grandparent, mm-hmm. and I I don't know what the age if it only is for seniors, but since I'm in that age range, I was very thankful to find it because what it does, it will screen your drivers. And if your drivers aren't reading the notes, you can report that. And they do try to improve. And they'll, they'll make sure that your driver knows what your needs are. Yeah, that's and, a good service that a lot of people with, I think anybody with disabilities could use it. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I've been very will. happy. I, I was able to get my friend to the airport. It was just fantastic. I was, yeah. And the drivers have been courteous. And sometimes they don't always see you, but I try to have someone with me to make sure that I get in the vehicle safely. And I don't have my dog anymore, but mm-hmm. um, if I had a dog, they'd make sure that I got a driver that was okay with it. And, you know, everything went smoothly. And that's what I really appreciate about that service. It does mm-hmm. cost a little more, but I think it's worth it for mm-hmm. what you're getting. Absolutely. Sometimes it is worth it to pay a little bit more, you know? Mm-hmm. And one thing I did when I was taking cabs and I did have the dog, and I know some people don't like to do it, but I am a person who will say I have a guide dog. I need a driver that's okay with it mm-hmm. because I, I just don't want to go through that. I need to get from A to B and I'd rather have it wait a little longer to have a driver that's going to work with me. You feel like I do. I don't <laughs> want to deal with their crap over service dogs. First yeah. of all, I don't like people who don't like dogs. <laughs> yeah. I just don't want to deal with it. Good point. So, <laughs> I will I will be very open about the fact that I have two service dogs and yeah, if they want to pick me up, wonderful. If they don't, drive on. Yep. Absolutely. You're the one who wasted your time. I didn't. Yep. <laughs> and I'm glad to have you back again. I, I, I'm enjoying your calls. Well, thank you. And thank you for sharing. We have Karen M. Has her hand up again? Um, yes. The um, 
I don't know. I live in, so two callers before, two speakers before, I was a little concerned about things she said. Um, we, we um, I guess because I'm in New York City, we're extra, extra security conscious. And um, so basically I use power transit. And if it doesn't where I can't use it. I still have the backup. I can call a local car service. Mm -hmm. I personally am not going to use Uber or Lyft because I can't see the license plate and I'm not that familiar with the process, especially in New York where they don't need to speak English. So, um, so basically um, the way we do it is I, the driver, once a car is scheduled to pick me up, then I get a text or I guess I could get a phone call if I prefer. And um, it tells me, it gives me the driver's phone number and it tells me what kind of car it is, which doesn't help me too much. And um, so I can, if they speak English, I can communicate with the driver. um, And I've already told this um, paratransit I have a cane. and, And if I'm communicating with the driver, I tell them what color I'm wearing, but Mm -hmm. I I cannot go up to the driver and say, are you Alan? Because anyone on the street could say yes. You know, what they need to do is call, is say, Karen, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to call my name. I'm not supposed to call their name or, or tell them my name they have to call my name and that's how we know that we're properly connected. Mm -hmm. So to the other lady who calls Alan, I suggest that's not really a good thing to do. Um, But it's, um, it's, it it just really careful with that. What I usually do, what I usually do is I'm trying to locate, you know, I've heard that I'm trying to, I also ask, Alan, once he identifies himself as Alan, is who are you here to pick up? And there you go. Okay, him. that's okay. But if yeah. you if he identified himself first, that's fine. But it sounded like you call out in the street looking for yeah. Alan, and that's not safe. No, it could be. You're right. I mean, well, usually this is a very secluded, semi-suburban area, and but that's not the main thing. No, I will usually ask, uh, are, who are you here for? And, and that is you know he should know that oftentimes yeah. if they're with it they'll call out my name several times but sometimes they seem to to be in you know not in the zone at all and so that's when i call out their name and hope that that will locate the vehicle that, but don't they know, send you a text or call you to let they you send know? me yeah they call me and they tell me for example alan is coming with a, a, a blue car okay so i'm out in the middle right in front of my apartment building nobody else on the street this is kind of a suburban place. And then, um, Alan, there's a car idling right in front of me, or in one case, parked across the street with the windows up and the radio on. And I guess because I have eyeglasses, even though I'm totally blind, does not, did not read the notes that were left for him that client has a white cane, is blind, call it her name. Did not read the notes. So I call out, I would call out Alan in that case, doesn't come up that much. And then I would say, Oh, uh, who are you here to pick up? And then I would hope to hear my name. And if I didn't, then I would not. You know, that's, but it's just. Um, I, I know, was just I trying to clarify what you said, perhaps. Sure. For, 
if not for you, because what you said really frightened me a bit. So, yeah. um, no, thank you. And remember, each of us has to, depending on where we are and where we live, I always have, if I've got her with me, I have them say Dory's name. The reason why is because I probably am not going to hear mine, but Dory will hear hers and she'll let me know that somebody's talking to her and where they are. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Okay. Well, thanks again, Jesse. You're welcome. Anthony has his hand up. That's so clever. <laughs> I meant to say this earlier, and um, when I travel, I do um, like a bright purple or a bright yellow. Uh, the bandanas that I use for Bodhi, I'll take one and wrap it around and tie it to the handle of the uh, of my suitcase. And so that way, when I'm getting assistance, getting my suitcase off the, I just say, look for the bright purple or the bright yellow bandana. Um, and then if I know I'm not getting picked up by somebody I know, I need Uber, I usually wrap it again around, I, I carry what I call the man bag, like a crossbody bag. So I'll just wrap it and tie it around the, the strap of the bag and then say to the driver in the notes, hey, I, you know, I've got a bright yellow bandana hanging off my, uh, you know, my shoulder bag. Um, again, if they don't read the notes, there's not really much you can do for that. But mm -hmm. I do know with Lyft, um, if your driver is, once you're a minute waiting for your driver and you call the number back, they, they can contact the driver and tell you, hey, look for the hat or look for the lady in the glasses or whatever it might be. Yeah, and, and that that's good. We just because what we have to remember... I'm sorry, what? I said we just have to be, like, you know, creatively proactive in this life. Yes, we do. Yeah, because we can't do the one thing that sighted people do. And when they call an Uber or Lyft, they see the car, they see the driver, and they make eye contact. <laughs> we can't do that. Yep, and it can be frustrating. But, you know, again... Um, I always remember to myself, they drilled it to me and guide dog school, whatever I'm feeling, my dog is feeling, you know, double. And so when I start to feel myself getting frustrated, I'll reach down and start petting him because that usually, oh, you know, okay. reminds me to center myself. Yeah. And then I'd like to add that the sighted person may never have had, often I'm in a car where no one's ever met or talked to a blind person. And so um, it's, you know, I, I try to be, you know, courteous if they've, you know, if they've made, if they have made a mistake. And I used to be, I was cited for most of my life. Well, you know, so. and often the driver's expectation is that, I guess this happens a lot. If you're a sighted passenger and, you know, the car is across the street and there's no traffic, you're expected to walk over there and open the door. <laughs> exactly. And that's an expectation they have. And they're sitting there in the car. And one driver said, with the windows rolled up and the radio on, waiting for the person to come and tap on the door or open the door. It's not exactly. going to happen. Mm -hmm. It's one minute to the hour, and you do have one more hand. Do you want to call on that person? Okay. 
Beth? That's happened to me before where I'll be like in a, go out like to a parking lot. I'll be, you know, waiting for my, for my ride, but there'll be several cars that are idling and stuff like that. So you either have to, um, you either have to call out your, your driver's name or, or wait till he comes for you. But, um, I prefer to call out his name because